And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous starship captain once said, and as another famous starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. So last week's episode was about rules. Little do we know that would lead us to create some own rules of ourselves. I didn't realize that. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> rules, what to follow them and what not. Uh, little do we know that we would realize that we would need to create some own rules of ourselves. So, Larry, we... we you know, Easier to follow the rules if there are some to know, or not. If yeah, there are yeah, some to follow or not. Yes. Yeah, rules, what to follow, when to break. Uh, also, like, you got to have them. Otherwise, you can't do either. So, Larry, we created this show in haste back in May. Did we launch? Did we launch in April or May? I think we launched in May. Um, I was thinking it was late April, but yes, anyway. Might have been later. Yeah, I think April 20th actually sounds right. I remember your voice in the trailer saying, I'm (laughs) April 20th, you know. uh, Oh, okay. Um, I think it was then. And we, we launched it in haste, trying to put together all the stuff as our worlds were going in weird directions that we weren't aware of. So um, right. we never put together any I type need a webcam. Of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I remember yeah. that. How do we do this? How do we do a live show? I, I need uh, one of these. I need one yeah. of these. Help me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a, a fun time. Um, our audio was always out of sync. There was a lot to learn. Um, but we, 2009 we were just trying to... iMac. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Um, Larry resetting his computer 20 minutes later, maybe, but you're ready to go. Yes. Um, it was, it was, uh, we were just trying to get the show up as soon as we could with the limited knowledge and of experience that we had doing a live show like this. Two people, none of us had ever done a two person live stream before. There was a lot to figure out. Mm-hmm. We never in that, in that rush to get this community going, we never created any guidelines for the community. And um, we realized over time, especially after last week, that that, that has caused problems um, because this is a unique show. This is not, we're, we're not here, folks, to just debate Star Trek. We've, we mentioned that from the get-go, Larry. Yeah, this is not, I remember you mentioning this in our I, very first episode. This is not about what show is better or worse. If I'm going to pile on the pile that is the internet now, especially yeah. the Star Trek internet, and I've said this famously with Trek Files, I say this on Tuesdays Live, I'm not going to do any more same old same old. If I'm going to be a part of something, it needs to be adding something fresh and new. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yes, we're, we're pioneering something, I, I think. But, you know. But, I, yes, I we agree. did. We, st- when we started this also. We said it's for the... I, I kept trying to pull to add some comfort across all the interwebs in Star Trek world. I said, 
I like going back to an old World War II term, which was for the duration. Like, how long are we yes. going to be in this lockdown? For the duration. It's like, as long as it takes. And we started this show for the duration, not knowing if how long it would go. I started another show that was wonderful. I loved it. It had a great community. But after, after about uh, 20 episodes, I said, we need to stop this, and I need to rejigger this and figure out what I'm going to do for the future. It was great. This show, we had some time moments there where we thought, can we keep this going with our lives and, and the world going? And I'm glad that we figured out a way to keep, make it keep going. And I think we've got a community that's growing that's, that's glad, too. I want to bring it to more people. We're going to be doing that. We have plans already to do that. But, we, yeah, we had to take a step back and, and make, have, have the foundation be as strong as we could. And that includes our community. And that's why yeah. we're doing what we're doing now. We just posted the community guidelines that we all created together. So uh, that's in the comments section. You can check that out. It's also on our Facebook group page. If you go to facebook.com slash life support live, you'll see them there too. We Facebook created page. our Facebook <laughs> yes, page. Please go yeah. if you're not there already. Yes, and join it. So Larry and I put our heads together. We came up with a list that we thought really is true to this show and makes this a safe place. Uh, we then turned it over to the community and got your feedback. Um, we got some great notes from you all about how to improve it. And so uh, those are the, the community guidelines right over there. We also recruited a few people to be our moderators. So we didn't really... The challenge of doing a live show is it's hard for Larry and I to moderate because we're trying to keep this whole thing going. Um, and it's hard to always be um, right I'm there. I'm behind with the, in the chat always, yeah, much less yeah. on top of it. So, yeah. Larry tries to work from the top down, and I'm trying to work from the bottom up to keep up with all the comments, but it's it's hard to be there and really make sure that we're sticking to community guidelines. So we have a few moderators who are going to be helping us out. We're hoping to get some more as time goes on, uh, but we're hoping to make this place um, very safe, um, make it feel uh, productive, make it feel like you all are getting what you signed up for, which is a deep dive into Star Trek canon that is fun related to where we're going and some helpful tips that help you to apply this and and for this to be a fun fun supportive space that's that's our goal yep. over here and for our um, veteran community you know that already i mean i think people get that vibe anyway it was just we just needed to make some uh, get some guardrails down and if you're again if you're new with this this week and they're like when are they going to talk about the track when are they going to talk about mental coming. health um, <laughs> we're it's getting tough. there, but this is, yeah, so welcome if you are new, uh, just know that, yeah, it's a fun place, we got a fun group, you'll see that, the chat is full of great people, and we're just making sure that we keep it, uh, fun for everybody. Yep, and, yes. um, speaking of keeping it fun for everyone, that also gets to our second announcement, which is, we have a new season to talk about, and this it's is, a uh, it's a real yeah. retreat. No, <laughs> not the retreat yet. I'm sure Jared has this week's uh, location uh, for us ready to go. Um, we are talking about um, Star Trek Discovery now. We have a new season of Star Trek Discovery. And we are going to do what we did with Lower Decks. We take this week's new episode of Star Trek and use that as the inspiration for the topic of this week. And we turned it back to you in terms of how deep do you want us to get in spoilers. With Lower Decks, we didn't cover any. Oh, there you go. Larry, were you invited to the uh, premiere event? Were you at the, the virtual I was. premiere? 
Ah. But my swag box got lost in the mail, so I only got the uh, the cheapo swag thing, which was this cardboard. <laughs> I'm very jealous. That means Larry's seen more episodes than us. Um, but uh, the the life support live um, spoiler policy for Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we wanted to get your votes on that, and we did. And um, the the consensus seems to be, or the the majority of people are recommending. We can talk about a little bit of details but not give away this week's episode. So mm-hmm. that's what we're going to do. We are a bit more conservative with Lower Decks because the whole world didn't have access to Lower Decks, and so we tried not to mention anything. I know. It's 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 coming, folks. It's uh, blame the coronavirus. Um, uh, but um, with Star Trek Discovery, it is available globally um, on, on Netflix, largely for most of the world. So we'll share little details, but we won't give away the episode. Mm-hmm. And we'll only share really details as, as it's related to our topic. So that is the Star Trek Discovery spoiler policy. Thank you for your help in that. But with that, Larry, let's walk into the briefing room. Um, we have new Star Trek to talk about, new live-action Star Trek. Larry, Star Trek Discovery, uh, Season 3, Episode 1. It just came out this week. Um, and a lot of the things I think we want to... we we want to uh, dive into a little bit are all in, in the commercial actually for this episode. Yeah. So in yeah. terms of spoilers, I don't uh, think we're going to be really in Hollywood. We call it a trailer, a trailer, the trailer to the season. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Not the commercial break. Yes. Um, so Larry, we are, we are, we, we find ourselves in the 32nd century. We, um, there has been a cataclysmic event known as the burn the Federation, um, rest in peace, is um, not quite there. Um, and our, we find Michael Burnham is confused and disoriented and um, trying to understand what's going on. Larry, your initial non, non-big non spoiler thoughts about Star Trek Discovery and this bold new feature, uh, feature this bold new, it felt like a feature film, the cinematography, yeah. this in bold new ways. future we find ourselves in. Uh, your initial thoughts here. I, I will just tell everybody that they showed us two episodes at the premiere, uh, the digital party premiere, uh, that was an invite thing only, and uh, both of them, they're, they're different tones. People that have watched the first hour and said, where is everybody? Hang on. I think the promo at the end of that <laughs> showed everybody is still there. But for the last year and a half, and if you're in my, if you're in my Trekland cycle, circles, if you're in Portal 47, any, if you watch my Tuesday show, we've been talking, I've been talking for a year and a half. I mean, it's funny because they, they filmed this over a year ago. COVID slowed, as we all know, the COVID, COVID, it's a city in New Mexico. Um, Clovis, COVID. I think that's so, where the retreat is happening. Uh, yes, Jared yes. fact check me. The next, that, yeah. yes, Jared, the next retreat's in Clovid, New Mexico. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's been, we've seen, they've been, they've been teasing this since like a year ago at, at, at Forever, New York Comic Con yeah. 2019. Yeah. So we've seen the taste, but basically it's, as shows evolved, the first year's delivery was like, you know, a cluster F. I mean, just because of the way it came out. The second season was much more settled. When they made the big leap to make this time break. I just inherently knew, yeah, some people can be cynical and say they're doing it so they don't have to follow canon. Actually, au contraire, canon is all in their rearview window, but really for the first time, if they want to be this audacious kind of attitude 
on Star Trek, they're finally where they have the elbow room to do that, I think. And really what I thought for ages was that Discovery may finally – I keep using this phrase. I think Discovery is finally going to be comfortable in its own skin. Mm. I think Discovery is finally in the waters that it was meant to be in because I don't think it knew what it was actually going to wind up being when it was launched. Picard had a lovely, you know, you may have critiques to, to make about Picard, but it was kind of, it was kind of born fully formed. Lower Decks has been awesome. I think Lower Decks is, I said last yeah. week, was the yeah. most fully formed ever Star Trek. Strange New Worlds, I think, is going to be the same way. And Section Thirty One, Discovery's been the learning curve show. I think season three is finally there. And yeah, uh, Tunde, uh, awesome Sami Tunde was was uh, that producer with the wonderful African name, whose nickname is Tunde because of that very reason. He's done a wonderful job directing. Uh, he wound up doing the first two, so it's really kind of a two-part pilot again. Um, but it's if you saw that, it's got scale and epic, and not just because they went to Iceland to film. But, uh, uh, Cairo said um, the I'm, I'm sure an Iceland retreat is in order for this episode. Um, the um, I have under to say, waterfall. But anyway, that's my that's my hot take. So everybody, if you yeah. if you saw it and you're wondering where the crew is, you saw in the trailer they're coming. It's and it's you know and still I will say always that I reserve the right to critique anything modern, just as the way I will go back and critique anything that's beloved from the past. But I think they've finally hit their stride, and I think they're finally in a good place to to tell an awesome story. And I've seen a lot of people be excited who may not have been. I know I think I think Lower Decks has been a good lead-in for kind of getting people are being able to see more and more flavors at the buffet. And I think now we're having a, a buffet, a new flavor, and even the Discovery Buffet in the buffet room of Trek. <laughs> you know, Linda says, um, OMG, the scenery. And um, I, I have to say one of the great joys for me um, of watching this episode was just being taken away to a very different place. And mm -hmm. I'm sure for those... Um, th for those members of our community who might uh, have spent some time in Iceland, maybe didn't feel such a otherworldly place watching this video or watching this episode. But for me, Larry, I had so much, um, it was such a great mental health moment for me to watch something, watch Star Trek in, um, watch this new episode, this new season, to be in this very new place, to be in this new time era. Um, it just, for that one hour I was watching that show, it really just, uh, took me away. It took me away from the stressors of the day because I, I could just sort of, uh, pour myself into this. And my only criticism of Lower Decks really is that the episodes are too short. I, I wish they were longer. <laughs> I wish we had more. Uh, I wish we had more Lower Decks. And so it was nice for just like an hour. Oh, fine. To really... Another two years of prep. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It might be a while before we get some more. If you want so a long am... episode. You know, it'll be twenty thirty-two before you get that. I I, I really um, I really enjoyed this um, this introduction to this brand new uh, part of the timeline, and um, there's there's uh, I'm, I I love seeing all the new tech. That's always something that's that's a lot of fun for me. So uh, there's this projectile matter. Or I don't know what what the technical term is, uh, but it's a whole new way of organizing matter and controls mm -hmm. and furniture and all of that sort of stuff. So I had a lot of fun with this episode. Um, 
if anyone is uh, wavering on whether or not to uh, to dive into it, I say give Discovery another shot if you've written it off. It, um, I think that's a, this is a fun new introduction. But getting to our theme here, one something that's playing out in this episode is is confusion, is disorientation. Right. Uh, Michael Burnham, nine hundred and thirty years worth, basically. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine going back about a thousand years and what, I, I don't even know what would be happening in But it the would, world. even as crazy and alien to you as that would be, it's not the same because that's at least hindsight. Even if you weren't a history yes. major, you would right. at least have a vague feeling and you would go, I, and it sounds, and you, you had the power, you said, I'm going back a thousand. Now, if you go back like uh, the best time travel episodes, it takes everybody in Starfleet, at least, you know, oh, there's a swastika. It's World War II. Oh, there's guys in a bread line. It's the Depression in New York City. Right. I mean, you know, like right. they have a they have a clue even when they're disoriented from being time travelers. But she's in the future, which is you've got nothing to hang on to. You're totally right. disoriented right. because you've got nothing to, you know, you've got no option set to look at. So that's um, my only Scott, problem with your analogy there. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Scott's uh, fact checked me here. It's programmable matter. Thank you, Scott. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, there's so much new tech, uh, like the portable transporters. Uh, so much new tech to get used to here. Um, th- we we find Michael Burnham in a very confused state. So trying to trying to figure out where is she? What has happened? Where are her people? Um, She's trying to trying to connect with the things she knows, but everything she knows has been appended in some way. Like when she hears about the burn, when um, the universe took this uh, hard left, right? When there was this cataclysmic event that has well, changed the nature. She's not even on the planet that she was thought she was going to be at that she at least had a glimpse of yes. yeah. 930 years ago. She's not even yes. where she thought she would, I mean, the, which was going to be confusing enough. Yeah, space and time has been completely right. disrupted right. for her. And, and you know, there's, there is a big tie-in here, Larry, to, um, to what we've all been going through. As you and I started to talk about this episode, we started to realize, wow, you know, this was, this was not planned. This episode was written well before the pandemic. Right. It was shot well before the pandemic. They shot like April and May last year. 2019. Yes. Yeah. Like a year and a um, half ago, this was filmed. So, yeah. Th- the feeling of what is happening, um, what do I do? How do, how to get connected to trustworthy information, seeing everything around you rapidly changing. I mean, that has been our experience for so many of us in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, there are uh, early on in this pandemic, there were reports of people who are at sea. People who are camping, people who had um, purposely disconnected themselves from this stuff because they were in, enjoying their time away and then coming back to society and learning of the pandemic, learning that everything is closed, learning that people are sheltering in place, um, seeing people um, dressed very differently, all this sort of stuff uh, in, in much the same way that Michael Burnham experienced in this mm-hmm. episode. Um, but all of us have been trying to understand what is, um, what is happening and how do I get, 
How do I get information? How do I get trustworthy information? How do I figure out what to do? How do I connect? That that confusion in, in, in a time of crisis is something we've all experienced this year. Well, I, you were saying that. It, was, it wasn't quite at the moment, but the Star Trek cruise, the big licensed official cruise, set sail. La-di-da, there's a weird thing happening in China. And by the time no. they came back, like 10 days later or whatever it was, they were getting off. And I, the whole, the last couple of days I was praying <laughs> that, you know, cruise ships are dicey enough sometimes if some virus gets out of control. But if somebody ha- somehow was incubating the COVID-19, I was like, oh, please don't, don't have the Star Trek crews be the butt of the late night jokes before things even got deadly. Because in the beginning, it was still kind of, oh, there's this wacky thing happening. And, you know, I mean, it very quickly got where it wouldn't have been funny. But about the time they came back and got off the ship, all the protocols were starting to ch- – there was confusion, but there had been nothing before. And now there yeah. was at least confusion about what we should do and not do and people arguing even early on. And that's when they got back. So it was – I talked to people who were on it, and they were aware of things unfolding, but there was still confusion then. But it, it was it was not status quo at all the way it was when they left, and that was just over that week, 10 days. Right. Triangulum uh, on YouTube says, I found myself in a very similar state as Burnham, waiting for the pieces to come together. And um, Cairo also says, um, Michael scream when she realizes uh, there's life is awesome. I will scream like Michael when I hear the news that we can go to events safely again. Yeah, Cairo, um, my wife and I often... um, uh, we, we sometimes like to talk about what what's the big thing we're going to do when it's safe to be in crowds again, in big scale crowds. And um, she really wants to go to like, uh, she wants to go to Disneyland and just do a big trip uh, with, with our close friends. I really want to go to a big concert. Um, I really love music, Larry. I, I would love to go to a big concert and have a big experience, just a a big communal event. I think that would be, I don't know. I just want the luxury. I like that phrase scream like Michael. Is that going to be a new trend? (laughs) Let's go with it. We can do that. Um, I, I'm just wondering if, you know, the way we see, and we've had these fall right now in California, they were, we've had, this has been so politicized, which is unfortunate, but what's, what's maddening, and confusing and it just shows how sad it, this should not be politicized at all but even even if you ripped away the political layer we've got people states governors who are trying to do things by the book by the best known practices and i think that's what california has done now you've got people still just you know pri- privately um unless you've got the police running around you know arresting people for not masking we've got people still you know civilly disobeying but even in the places where they've had the rules in place and tried to go by the book and clamp down and, and the population goes, you know, goes along, months go by, there are criteria in place, people try to follow the criteria to come back by the book, and you start to have a spike again. And the people yeah. who are trying to do the right thing in leadership, it, we're having that in California. It's starting to spike. I was just listening to that last night, and now they're looking at maybe going back to a more severe lockdown. And is anybody doing anything? Knows it's like you know when you get a prescription in, in, for an antibiotic, and uh, hopefully it's been wisely prescribed in the right dose. But the whole thing is like don't. If it's a, it, sometimes they'll advise you take it for two weeks. After four or five days, you'll feel better. But don't stop taking it because if you don't. You allow the, I yeah. forget the word for it, but you allow the, the bug to come back stronger because you don't kill it all the way. 
Right. And right. I've been worried about this. Some of it's been conscious, some of it's been unconscious, some of it's just been well-intentioned, but we're learning still. And if we've done things halfway instead of, you know, all the way, we if we let this come roaring back because we didn't kill it, kill it, even by people who are trying to follow the best guidance of the time. Anyway, it's, it's a, it is. It's totally confusing and disorienting. My thing yeah. is, we'll, when we do come out of it and we get to have our joyous trips to Disneyland <laughs> or wherever – Will that be a, a flip, a switch that's flipped all at once? I'm going to push the button and we're all reopened. Or is it, will it be a gradual? I mean, I would love to have a Michael screaming moment, but yeah. I'm thinking it may be a gradual re-easing, but I still want to have a, 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 a scream, a Michael scream moment. What, well, like I, you? I think this gets back to this episode. Um, so, you know, Michael is trying to find some connection to her crew. She's, <laughs> Answer my uh, question. <laughs> I have answers. Answer my questions. You know, we 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 find her when she starts off in this state of complete <laughs> alone and and isolation. Um, and she finds she finds book, um, <laughs> but but book doesn't seem to be that that helpful in the moment. You, you know, I, I think Larry, it's going to be like a moment we actually see in the end of this episode, and I'm not going to spoil it, but it, it does tie in to this right here, what I am wearing, um, the Federation, at least the, the symbol of the Federation. That's been promoed for nine months. I know, I know, I know. Um, she finds some connection to the Federation, and while it's familiar, it's also very alien. And that confusion and disorientation is something I think that we are going to carry with us as we tr as the uh, reconstruction happens. Um, once this, uh, once we have a uh, some type of control over this pandemic, um, some things are are are, are never going to go back to the way they were. You know, I was just thinking the other night about um, birthday cakes. You know, in the United States, we have this uh, custom of blowing the candles out on your birthday cake. Well, um, so many of us now know about all the aerosols, yeah, that are released. We also know that we can we can oftentimes be contagious with the virus. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Have some aerosol. Yum. Mm. Or some aerosol icing, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer uh, cellular peptide cake. What was it? What is it that Worf eats? Uh, the Troy frosting, cake? Cellular peptide cake with, but yeah. Mint frosting. Mint frosting. <laughs> Talk about disorienting. I think that's one of our episodes of the list. Um, when, when, Things when we do go back to our so, uh, social activities, they're not going to be the same. And uh, my wife and I were talking about how we we probably aren't going to blow out the candles on cakes quite so much. Um, I think a good compromise is you put the candle on the person's piece and just have them blow out their own piece. Wow, but, you've done it, some deep thinking about this. I haven't. You're way ahead of me. Well, I, my spare time. Look at you, boy. You know, my daughter likes to pretend every other day is someone's birthday, and she likes to blow oh. out cakes. And so we were like, my wife and I turned to each other. We're like, I don't think we're going to be doing that. I think that's. I think we're done with, with that. So how do like like how public meeting on sidewalks for the Spanish flu pandemic? Like that's right. gone. Right, right, right. Um, I think handshakes are, are going to be changed. And I think there's going to be a new culture of um, as it relates to sick days. And if you are sick, even if it's a common cold, uh, maybe you'll be wearing a mask. You know, I, I think some stuff's going to be very different for the better. Or being um, forced to work when you're sick. Just uh, that whole yeah. attitude. Yeah, let's yeah. get rid of that. 
that's, or that's public laws in many ways. Kind of yeah. So it's it's going to be very hard to predict, which we see with Michael Burnham. Um, it's very hard for her to predict what the heck is happening in this thirty second um, century. Um, so, Larry, with that, let's let's dive into some more examples in Star Trek. We've got so many great examples in the comments. You and I outlined a few of ours um, ourselves. As we'd like to do, can we start with the original series um, and and see if there's some great examples here of confusion okay. and disorientation? Well, I, I said something the other day about well, the whole the whole damn third season <laughs> could be that way for better or for worse. And I pulled one out, but there, well, I've seen several going by here. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, guys, let's just admit right up front that it's a, it's TV, it's entertainment, it's a plot, it's drama. And we talk about the serialized shows being nothing but surprise reveals for confusion. But even in a one-hour episode or a half hour, the the show depends on somebody being confused because there's a puzzle to figure out. Yes. So. Yes, we yes. know there's confusion, but sometimes it's like extreme disorientation is and and confusion is part of the project. So so right, um, <laughs> very cute, Libby. Uh, everybody's been on fire. By the way, guys, I'm trying not to be so far behind in the chat while Ollie is talking. I'm ignoring everything he says, while I'm trying to keep up with you. <laughs> oh, did I please, say that Larry? Out? You always have. I always give you permission to ignore me if it's for our community. Yes. It, it, it tried to be. And everybody has been flying by here with great titles. The one I just pulled, and I thought of several, but the one you've yes. got there is the one I think is like one of the most disorienting is, which is, it's another, <laughs> yes, stupid, stupid reason. But the, the Mark of Gideon, when Kirk is wondering where his crew went and he's totally disoriented, and then he sees this girl in 60s, you know, see-through gauze dancing around like an out-of-work ballet dancer or something. Um, and, of course, it's all a ruse because it's a fake ship and they're not really gone. But he's dis- he, it's a, one of the longest times, I think, of seeing Kirk be disoriented and confused um, in, the, in the original series. And, yeah, there's a lot of – I thought of Spectre of the Gun when they're all trying to figure out – they all know they've been planted here, but it's like what's the way out of the puzzle? But, again, it's like – the puzzle of the plot is what all our characters are. But sometimes it's just a very human puzzle. Sometimes it's an alien adversary puzzle or a weird science puzzle. It's when it's like a hu- it feels like it's a human moment and it's you can be humanly disoriented, like what? You know, that's when I that's what I'm thinking about here. And not to put a straddle on any what any uh, uh rein in what everybody's popping up with here in the chat, but I think some of our topics uh, it's science fiction. It's drama anyway. But to keep our to keep our theme reined in, I'm trying to think of you know very personal kinds of disorientations that make sense even in a alien scare of the week kind of thing. One of um, one of my favorite examples, and and when you and I were were uh, piecing this show together, um, Larry, you had good feedback about that. Well, like what episode isn't doesn't have confusion disorientation? Right. But we're really talking about. When things suddenly don't make sense, or you as right, a viewer, it's like on the, like turns on a dime, kind of quick turns while. on a dime, and and yeah. sometimes you as a viewer, maybe the character is very disoriented, or maybe you as a viewer are. One of my favorite examples of this is when both the viewer and the character we are completely confused and disoriented, yeah. and that's frame of mind from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, um, I. As a kid, I did not like this episode when it first aired. And I think the reason I didn't like it is I was so confused. What You're is not happening? To say as a kid when this first aired, but go ahead. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, 
Uh, I, w- I won't tell you how old I was when this episode okay. first came out. Um, uh, let's let's just say I was I um I was uh, don't just working. just say you were listening through your mom's womb. Just don't say she was. Oh oh gosh no no okay. no 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 no, 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 no. Okay. I was um I was still learning some of the basics of algebra. Let's just say that. Um, so. <laughs> This episode is is quite confusing and disorienting. Um, Riker seems to be caught in this weird play thing. It's come to life. Data is like this evil scientist. They're, they're trying to like help him, but he's trying to escape. All this it's it's very strange what is happening. And over the course of the episode, um, Riker like things just don't add up for him. His reality as he know it as he knew it and the people in it, they're just not operating the way they're supposed to. And by the end of the episode, we learn that there's um, this covert mission went wrong. Um, he was impacted by this alien probe. This is Riker's subconscious trying to uh, defend himself against the probe, which then to me makes me think of also dreams and how dreams can be confusing mm-hmm. and disorienting. And sometimes we can um, oftentimes when we, when we wake up in the middle of a dream is when we remember it the most. And people have, number one, people have been having more vivid dreams right now because of the intense emotions we're experiencing, but people also aren't sleeping as well. And when you don't sleep as well, you're more likely to wake up in the middle of the night and you're more likely to wake up in the middle of a dream. So you're having more vivid dreams. You're more likely to wake up, which means you're also more likely to remember them. So all this stuff is coming into play. And this also contributes to confusion or disorientation. You know, when I was a kid, Larry, I had a dream that my, um, my parents got me the, the brand new video game system. And then I woke up to go play it and I opened up the cabinet and it wasn't there. And I'm like, what the heck happened? And then it's only then that I realized, oh, I, that was a dream that wasn't real, but it felt yeah. so real. Um, and I was so... I had a dream the other it. night where I dreamed that I had my glasses on, not my contacts, and I was camping or I was in a mountains or something, and I, it's like I was at the edge of a, a, you know, a scenic cliff, and I leaned over to do something with glasses in my hand, and I subconsciously like opened this hand and let my glasses like crash down rocks, and, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, damn. I can't believe I'm out here and now I won't have to go get a new pair of glasses. And the first thing when I woke up in the morning was feeling I was feeling stupid for having dropped and broken these my glasses. Mm. And I went through like the first 30 minutes of the morning thinking I was going to have to go down and make an appointment or go in some glass. And finally, after about an hour, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like that was, right there. That was, a, I mean, but it was like, Oh God, that's one more thing I have to do. And I have to yeah. go out with the mask on and do it and blah, blah. Yeah. So yes, I know exactly. And that was a very simple little idea, but it was like, Oh, <laughs> well, and, and um, Larry, I think your example is something that we all are experiencing. Cause when, when we are dealing with more stress, when it's harder for us to fall asleep, when we're having these vivid dreams, when there's a million things we have to figure out how to do and how to navigate, it's, it becomes so much easier for us to get confused and to get mm-hmm. disoriented and to be in, impacted by these things. Like how many of us, this has happened so much to me, have lost something in their homes and have had a hard time finding oh. it these, this past year? 
And after nine or ten months of people working at home, like my wife started working at home, and the we I the other day, we two weekends ago we had a big COVID cleanout, but stuff had just yeah. been piling up. And a good old fashioned COVID cleanup. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Hashtag. Uh, but like, like the, the Amazon boxes, it's like, can I throw this box? Oh gosh, I, I hate, oh my gosh. I hate that box. Don't throw that box. So we've had like this box of pile of boxes because we were going to clean things out and we need to reorder. Anyway, no, I totally get it. It's been a weird, that's all been weird. Yeah. It's it's like, here's the thing. It's like in a normal time, if it's the middle of the night and you don't want to turn, you have to get up and like go to the kitchen and you walk through your apartment or through your house. And it's the middle of the night, and you don't turn any lights on because you know where everything is. You can't do that now. I'm constantly, you know, banging my toe on something <laughs> that's sitting out in a weird place. You know, even after a couple of months, it's like, can we just like? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I've um, I, I mentioned this in a previous episode. Your, your I have no idea. Your terrain being not familiar now is very yes. literal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's very literal, and um, I, I know I've mentioned this before on the on the show, but. Uh, your mind doesn't really differentiate between making very big decisions and making minor decisions. And we are finding ourselves having to make a lot of decisions every day because we are in this new territory. And as a result, that creates a lot of stress. It's a lot to navigate. Larry, I have so many of those stupid boxes in my home. I try to clear them out every Sunday night because my daughter will trip and fall on them. And then then I feel like a jerk, you know, because I, I didn't clear these all out. But mm-hmm. since we're not really shopping as much in person, we're ordering more stuff and you're just um, deciding to have to put away the box and, and, and all that sort of stuff. It's another decision on top of all this other stuff I have to do. So, yeah, more disorientation here. Um, I love this comment from Ali uh, Martinez. Um, Ali, this might be your well, first hi, Ali. time. Hey. Um, is this uh, Ali's first time on Life Support Live? It might I, be. I thought it's um, the first time. I don't know, maybe early, but good to see you. Yay. Good to see you. Uh, I love the cosplay as well. Um, Command always. Red, always great to to cosplay in. I think seeing our Star Trek characters disoriented shows that even, let me bring it back up, um, that even when humanity has evolved, they're still experiencing struggle. Despite best intentions, not everything goes to plan. Um, emotion can still be overwhelming. Um, it, make the characters, it makes the characters mm-hmm. real to me and helps me to relate to them. I love this comment, Allie. I think that's that's something I really gained from Lower Decks as well, is these aren't... The, they're still Starfleet. They still represent um, the ideals of the Federation. Mm-hmm. But they're not they're not the senior staff. Um, they're still learning and figuring out and, and trying to get better. And that's that's been a great quality of Michael Burnham throughout Star Trek Discovery, as Star Trek Discovery has had its ups and downs. Um, Michael Burnham has always been a character... Who is about? Um, I am aspiring to get better. I am working on becoming better, and I am true to my ideals and doing what I think is right. And at the same time, I've got a long way to go to get better, to recover, to connect, to to do all of that sort of stuff. So, uh, thank you for that comment, Ali. Larry, um, yes. What what other episode sticks out to you in terms I, of? Well, I'm trying to see, and again, guys, I'm I'm catching up the chat here, trying to stay up current, and so many things going by, and a lot of these were on our list. I mean, we had yes. like a list of fifteen or twenty, and yes. then I only, but I still, and I pulled in, and a lot of these are on here, and some weren't. Uh, I was trying to at least get something from all the series. I don't think I pulled. I did anything from Enterprise, but yeah, I mean, to me, what you just said. Because we talked about how 
the reason we did polyethic specific from Enterprise is we talked about the whole show is kind of about this. It's, it's about a, being it's a learning curve. Yeah, it's like oh Klingons, a Kling what? Um, it's Klingon. Whole, yeah. yeah, yeah, a Klingot. I I love that line from the trailer. Um, I really love that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Larry. Yeah, the whole reason the thing was set in Oklahoma, broken by Oklahoma, which is is uh, timber, not corn. But it was because Rick wanted... Oh, I'm doing a K3. Oh, no, I just launched into a K3 here without thinking about it. <laughs> it's okay. We can always have accidental K3s. Rick wanted somebody to say there's a Klingon in Oklahoma or something, I, which is funny. Uh, and as Libby... Oklahoma, where the... And my inside old-time knowledge here is I know Libby was a Klingon in Arkansas, so that's almost the same thing. So there's a shout-out to old days, Libby. Okay, anyway... <laughs> oh gosh! Was yes, the on doing um... one long bit of confusion and disorientation, and then you got the even before the Zindi year. So yeah, Larry, was that Klingon doing lazy circles in the sky? <laughs> hey, you know we belong to the land. Uh, <laughs> and the land we belong to it is all red dirt. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what was I trying to say? So yeah, we put. I don't know. Of- I'm so I- confused. Sometimes, and some of this gets back to the whole they're copying each other, like there's inner light, but then there's also hard time, which was like, you know, uh, at least when Picard is trapped in a future life for years within a small time, he's at least not a hard labor at prison. He's at least with a family on a dying planet who all love him versus O'Brien, who was just in the, the most massive, you know, O'Brien must suffer plot ever, where he's he's, <laughs> he's, in, he's in prison for 30 years, not with his family growing old. Oh, my gosh. Or all kinds, there's all kinds of you know, plots like that, that, you know, or it's um, Troy wakes up and she's a Romulan and she's confused for a minute. And or it's Kira wakes up and she's a Cardassian, you know, which I think I sent you one of. So, yes. you know, yes. whether it's uh, Face of the Enemy or it's and I've just gone blank on the on the somebody. Yeah. That one, second skin, um, but that's one Wonderful of those things. Where, you know, and again, it's the confusion is forced by an external party here. Uh, you know, think our characters walk in something they don't have, whatever, and that's a little uh, confusing. But lots of lots of time for confusion and all these plots. This is yeah. this is why Larry. This is the problem with Deep Space Nine. Any time we pick a topic, there are. So many examples from Deep Space Nine related to that topic. You go back every episode of Life Support Live. We constantly have this problem. Um, pick up character. We can do a whole hour on, on each of that care, each of those characters. My favorite example comes from, uh, oh, the yeah. season premiere of, um, of Deep Space Nine. This was season three premiere, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, the search. Oh, three. So yeah. this is where, um, so much stuff happens. First search. off, I was trying to this, that was Search Part 2. Yeah, uh, spoilers for Search Part 2 if you hadn't seen it. But Search Part 1 begins with a vessel decloaking, and it's a Federation vessel that's decloaking, unlike anything we've seen, and Cisco is in command, and you're just thinking, what is happening here? The Treaty of Algeron, folks. What are we doing? Um, there's a, and then there's a Romulan on the bridge who, who has to be there and observe, and then will disappear, 
And then why did she disappear? And we never saw her ever again. She's in the Delta Quadrant. She's been taken off with Voyager. Right. That's why. right, yeah. right, right, right. She she had other stuff to do. Well, the actress anyway. Yeah, that was a great line on my con slideshow for like two years. What happened to Teruel? Oh, look, she's it's Martha Hackett. She's in the Delta Quadrant. <laughs> that episode. Remember con slideshows? Remember people get? Oh, anyway. Okay. I remember. I remember. <laughs> It, it it starts in a moment um, where you as an audience are very disoriented, as is the crew of seeing the Defiant. But then the whole the whole story is about finding the founders, and um, as that story unfolds, we realize the the characters have been trapped in this mind game f- by the founders who are trying to understand their secrets and and further mm-hmm. develop their plan. For invasion they think square they one think, square yeah. one of that <laughs> right 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 to follow yeah oh yeah yeah i mean they think the um they think way is like a founder right um i think that that it's not way it's the it's one of the it's no, one it's of the another vorta yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 they so, think the um, i mean the dominion in itself is such a great Confuse, confusing enemy. In much the same way that the Borg were in that first episode when we meet them, Q Hugh, you're like, who, who are these people? But for the Dominion, it's such a slow burn of confusion. Who are these people? What do they want? How does this society work? There's just whispers of the Dominion in mm-hmm. season two of Deep Space Nine, and it just slowly, um, slowly unravels. I, I think that's Not a unlike great the way the, the great Zindi hunt in season three of Enterprise is. Yes. Yeah. It's a very yeah. structured puzzle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and I think Larry, that um, real storytelling, yeah. The um, th- both the Dominion and the Zindi are are a bit of an example of um, of what we've been experiencing in 2020, where events happen, um, like the destruction of the Odyssey or the attack on Earth by the Zindi, and we are trying to figure out what the heck has occurred here, um, and those pieces. We don't know really for years to come. Um, sometimes months like or months or years. Pearl Harbor, like nine like eleven, like right. JFK's assassination, like right. you know the Watergate these, burglary break in. I mean, right. yes. these yeah. crises they have an immediate emotional impact, but the fallout it, it takes us so long to figure out what's actually happened and it's it can be a very confusing disorienting time whether there whether there's an emotional some of those things i just rattled off and and the zindi attack on earth or you know or the breen attack during the dominion war on earth or whatever some of them have an emotional attack uh there's an emotional moment immediately the sneaky thing sometimes we get these things and they're sneaky and they're like the watergate break-in i mentioned that wasn't a huge impact at the moment but it eventually accelerated into something that was more – it was still disorienting and confusing as it went along, and there was still a, a puzzle to unravel, and that was human-driven, not you right. know combination of situations. But still, they are disorienting and confusing, and I don't know. Someday we may get – we should do a topic on conspiracy theories because some people oh, find – Oh, yeah. We should do that. Some people find – No, Wolf could, 359. Huh? It was oh. – Wolf three five nine was inside job. Thank you, Lord X. We have a thing. We, can, we got something beyond uh, the uh, the Voyager conspiracy episode of Voyager. Now we have something the to do- bookmark. The Dominion War never happened. <laughs> <laughs> I love this comment from Victoria. We should uh, add 
That's the problem with Deep Space Nine to the drinking game. <laughs> uh, Victoria, we'll, we'll, let's turn that over to Jared as the keeper yeah, of the drinking game rules. Yeah. I don't know. I'm also starting to think another thing for the drinking game is when we say, well, we were going to find an example from Enterprise, but... <laughs> Oh, poor Enterprise. Um, uh, Larry, um, it's, um, you know, Enterprise's time is coming near. I, I think it, it really is. Uh, <laughs> you almost got that past me, yeah. <laughs> See, half of the oh theme, theme song after the first, we just got into, we just go, laga, gaga, waga. It's like, what is he even saying? It's like, aside from I the had, lyrics. My friends and I. His lag a lagging back. It's like, what did he say? A lagging back? What is he saying? I can't. I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, my friends and I, we had a whole. Shut up and just say I can touch the sky. Okay, okay, I'll. Okay, I'll. <laughs> my uh, my friends and I had a whole interpretive dance for the uh, for the intro of Enterprise because we thought it was so ridiculous. And uh, my part in that dance was, I would say, and no one's gonna bend or break me. That was that was my part of the set. I was totally confused and disoriented, but thanks to your visual, now I totally right. could see the whole. I am yeah. no longer confused and disor- or dazed and confused as the yeah. the movie about my time uh, is. <laughs> I didn't get a Greece. I didn't get a Happy Days. We didn't get a '60s thing. But we have like one movie for the mid '70s. Anyway. We should get back to Star Trek before Let's we get even... back to Star Trek. Um, with Voyager, um, is there anything you'd like to um, to dive into with Voyager here? I think we've well, got we've got one great example. Some good mysteries. You know, the silver blood aliens were disorienting to the audience. That that uh, Mike and Denise have come up with a clever name for the silver blood aliens, but for years they were the silver blood aliens, uh, the duplicates. You know, the Voyager crew. Um, yeah, the theme from Enterprise will always be the song from Patch Adams. Uh, but one that I thought that I remembered, um, and it wasn't about Seven and it wasn't about Janeway. It was a Bobon show, Barge of the Dead, because it was bizarre. And they never did exactly, they never said, you know, every other show, it's, oh, it's alien interference. Oh, it's even the, the show where Odo and three colleagues are thrown back into the occupation days. It turns out to be something weird with his you know, morphogenic matrix or something. But but this show, this episode, Barge of the Dead, when Balana is, and we get to, you know, background nerds get to know all about Klingon death ritual and death belief. But that Barge of the Dead was never quite, it was going back and forth being very disorienting where her reality and this image, is she dreaming? Maybe, but then she's coming away within, you know, it was a very spooky show. And I don't think the show even wrapped up exactly what happened. But that was disorienting for her and i still think even as a fan watching it later is disorienting and um that was exactly the way uh i know ron sold that before he made his exodus uh uh, gosh a klingon show on voyager imagine that but um (laughs) i shouldn't say exodus i was being polite there before ron was forced out but uh I think Brian is the one that wrote the script from that anyway i should have looked that up but anyway but that's that's one that i thought was really a and it wasn't even a wacky doodle science or sci-fi thing or new aliens. It was Alana turning back into her, you know, very baffling moment. But there's others. I rattle off a couple there. there. There's a lot of examples from Voyager. I mean, we could even begin with Caretaker, part one. Um, there's uh, confusion and disorientation. Where are we? 
what's happened. You know, right. one common thread we're seeing here, um, I don't want to unravel the tapestry, but if I can just pull on one thread just a little bit, Larry, if you will indulge me, um, the thread of needing information. Where are we? What's happening? Mm -hmm. What has happened? What's occurred? This is a common thread between all of these episodes. (laughs) Right. Um, um, We all need to run a level one diagnostic when when uh, these sort of rapidly changing situations occur. We saw that with all of these characters and we've all experienced that in in our own lives right now. And it'll tie into the counselor's log um, just in a moment. Um, We also have um, moving forward. We talked a little bit about Enterprise. Um, let's talk a little bit about Star Trek Picard. Um, sometimes we, it's easy for us to forget about Star Trek Picard. Again, uh, again, a serialized show, there's four or five confusing, disorienting mysteries all the way through. But yes, now that we've yeah. got a whole six months to digest Picard or whatever. Yeah. 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 And six years, we, actually, with COVID time. But yes. We have, um, we have a character who is trying to understand who she is. And the whole series really begins with um, with the confusion that both of these... Uh, these well, I love, I love that. That's, uh, that's her reaction to her confusion. And then finding yes. some truth about it, and then her truth, even, you know, Dodge and Soji, and her truth even opens her up to be manipulated, because now she's vulnerable. And it's like the first stage is she's, do you have it there? The one where, where Narek is able to manipulate her before she yeah, realizes what's going yeah, on. I have it. This scene, um, yes. Uh, I'll, due to and, our community guidelines, I will not say too much about this scene. Okay. I, well, that's interesting <laughs> because all I've, I didn't pull a picture because this would go on and on and on. But it's like her... her disorientation and confusion is not... It's texture, not trivia. There's multi-layers to her confusion. One thing, she's an AI herself, which she's figuring out. But also, even like, you know, her invented past and all of that. So, spoilers on Picard if you haven't seen it yet. You had a free month. What were you doing? (laughs) (laughs) But it's also how her, it's like, but even though she's an AI, she's a synth, she's an android, her her reaction is, you know, the old, the five stages of grief or whatever, the five stages of loss or whatever that is. Mr. Mr. Dr. Psych, you'd know this. But we get to see it play out with her. There, she's vulnerable to figuring out all – she's disoriented and figuring out this new thing. And she's vulnerable to manipulation. By the time she gets to Nepenthe, she's angry about it. I mean yeah. she's – like you see her working yeah. through her – I don't want to steal your playbook here. No, but it's no, interesting. No, no. They work through her stages, you know, and then she finally – by the time it comes down to um, – what you call it, the, the android planet at the end – and she even goes through a couple there because that's the turn. She goes from helping them to being the hero. But it's like she's playing out her massive cycle of confusion and disoriented yes. like in each episode. I didn't think about that until I sat down to structure this. It's only been six yeah. months. But I started thinking, look, you're seeing reactions that we can have in her faces on screen. And it wasn't like a like a single reaction to being disoriented. Like, I get my bearings and I figure out my stuff and now I'm good to go. It was very much a a human, uh, typical, you know, play out. And different things yeah, had and, different emotions. And it's, 
it's different than a lot of the other episodes we're talking about. You know, Tim just mentioned the wonderful episode Conundrum, where the Enterprise crew that was on my wife. because they're all massively jointly all. It's the whole crew, or the yeah, the whole crew is is going through all confused together. Yeah, I must be the bartender because I'm behind behind the bar. I guess that's commander because I have the thing. Yeah, right, 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 right. That's it's, I, I really enjoy that episode, um, but in in this uh, in and the Star Trek Picard, because who is that yes. guy? Who's that guy? He just appeared. Yeah, um, yeah no, totally. Um, the the thing about um, Star Trek Picard and wh- how you lay out that example of um, of grief of, of of working out these different aspects of grief. Um, it, it's, it's wonderful and it's what serialized storytelling can do better than more episodic because we can, we can see the trajectory of something over a long period of time. And, um, is that, is that Soji or is it, um, right here? Um, I always confuse the two names. It's Dodge. It Dodge? Dodge was so, the first one. That's the one they so promoted. Soji. Right. Yeah. So Soji is, is going through both grief at the loss of her sister and also the trauma of realizing you're not who you thought you were and the ways in which that plays out in people's lives is playing out over the course of that season. I just found out my dad is not my real dad. Hold my beers. I just found out I'm not a real person. I'm not an organic being. Okay. Yay. Hold my synthetic oil, whatever androids need. Doesn't Soji sound like some kind of like Greek cola or something? Drink Soji. I I don't know. Okay. I just always thought it would be some brand of cola I'd see if I took a trip around Europe or something. It does remind me of Sochi, which was the site of the Olympic Winter Games. Um, So there's, there's that. And um, this is kind of, you know, this is where r- rounding out the series, we would have to go into Lower Decks. Uh, and I think there's some <laughs> examples there, but we can't talk about Lower Decks because, again, not everyone has, has completely yeah, found yeah. it. Uh, well, again, there's everyone... 15,000 different confusion points in Lower Decks. But yeah, yeah um, we get some great comments here. Cairo saying Dodge is confused about herself. Soji as well. Picard ran away from who he is. Uh, Rios doesn't like who he is. Rafi <laughs> and Seven dislike who they've become. Eleanor hasn't found himself. Actually, they're all confused about themselves. The Star Trek Picard is really about this existential journey all these characters have to find each other, to find themselves, to find uh, their purpose again. That would be a perfect series to put together like in 2019, 2020. They should yeah, do that. They should do that. Yeah. Um, and they should greenlight it for a second season, which we might yes. see one day. Yeah. Um, and so here it says, in all of these examples of sudden confusion, the characters are able to rely on their core beliefs. Picard's leadership, Worf's vigilance, Deanna's empathy, Data's curiosity, great writing, and great comments. So here, that is a wonderful insight, especially in that episode conundrum, where the episode ends is, uh, you know, the guy, the guy who's not supposed to be there is like, we need to fire on them! We've, they've been at war, we need to help them! Yes. And all the characters are like, you know, there's a, I got this feeling that this doesn't add up. This doesn't seem right. Like, why would us, this powerful warship, be involved in... With these wimps. With, yeah. Yeah, this doesn't, like, make sense. And okay. in times of great change and crisis, this gets, gets into the counselor's log a little bit, relying on your core values and beliefs as a person and who you are can be very grounding when you're disoriented. Maybe you should so, just flip the counselor's log because it's like we've been... You know what? 
I'm happy took, to flip that switch. We have the longest teaser ever in history, so maybe it's time to put the yes. Okay. <laughs> Let's jump into the counselor's log here. So this is what we do, a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the psychology behind what we're talking about here. Um, Larry, there's a lot of things I, I could talk about here. Um, we could talk about confusion as it relates to dementia. We can talk about confusion as, as it's the core mm-hmm. symptom in psychosis. But I, I want to focus this uh, again on 2020, what we've been going through and what might be most helpful for the most amount of people. And with that, that gets me to psychological first aid. So we all know about um, first aid. If someone's bleeding, try to stop the b- bleeding. Call mm-hmm. the emergency hotline, get some help, right? Make sure the person is still breathing, um, give them CPR if you're trained in it, all that sort of stuff. A lot of us know about what first aid is. Um, not many of us, or most of us do not know what psychological first aid is. And what psychological first aid is, there's some, there's five very simple steps. And I've actually got a video about this on my YouTube channel called Psychological First Aid or How to Give Psychological First Aid if anyone wants to share that in in the comments. But um, step one of psychological first aid is safety, stabilize, and comfort is help the person to feel like they're in a safe place. Help them to help to stabilize them if they haven't had food or drink. That's the most of... Yes, that's a most important thing is making sure someone's hydrated and fed. Because if you, if you get dehydrated, Larry, you get confused and disoriented. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard. We've all been through that. There was a, there was a day this week where I realized halfway through the day, I haven't had any water yet. Um, maybe that's why I'm in such a crabby mood. <laughs> when I get a headache, I get food, but the main way I get headaches is I go, Oh, I haven't eaten today. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I get not food, yeah, food headaches, but I mean like hunger headaches, I should say, yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of times when people are, um, escaping a crisis or a trauma or there might be, uh, there's, there's something very scary is, is happening. Um, they need to feel safe. They need some comfort. They need to be fed. Um, and they need to be, they really need to feel like those basic needs are met. And then number two, Larry, this is that thread I was pulling on earlier, is information. Information is step two of psychological first aid. What is happening? What do you know? What are the unknowns? And what do I do? We see that with every character here. So uh, a, a few years ago, there was um, someone in my friend circle was going through their very first panic attack. And uh, they were with a mutual friend who then called me and said, what's going on? What do I do? Uh, I just provided some very simple information about panic attacks that they, they do rise, but they do come down over time that you can get through this panic attack. And um, here are some ways to feel grounded. And just that practical information of knowing that you can ride out a panic attack was so helpful to that person to be able to ride that out. Because it, it can be so jarring and so scary because it might feel like, am I having a heart attack? Um, and that's not it. It's this different thing. But very specific, practical information about what they're going through and the larger consequences can help. And Larry, this was the really great failure in the United States. There's many great failures in the United States, especially this year. But um, in 2020... Not only did we not have a lot of practical information about the coronavirus and the global pandemic, 
We also didn't have consistent information. It is actually very hard to get people to take action when a crisis is breaking out. Because most of the time, whether it's a hurricane, whether it's a blizzard, whether it's a global pandemic, yeah. the signs aren't there in the beginning. You don't see it for yourself. And humans are wired to respond to the emotions of now. And if you don't see all the sudden changes, you don't know what to do. You and I live in California. We know when it starts shaking, you duck and cover or you get below um, like a like an awning or so, something where there's a clear area, right? A safe, right. safe place. Because it's very clear. Oh, no, things are shaking. I need to get to safety. I grew up in Oklahoma. I know what all the tornado watch and warning protocols right. are. Although they've accelerated since I've been gone because now we, they keep expanding the scale for tougher tornadoes. But, yes, you knew what to do. You even knew what, when to feel safe relatively, but you were still smart. But, yeah, exactly. You, you know the well, warning signs of, of and, something and, that's on a pattern. And that's a great example with um, growing up in Oklahoma and tornado warnings. You get very consistent information from schools, from the local folks, from families and communities. There is comfort in that. It's printed on yes. shopping bags. I mean, it's like, yes. you know, your, your weathermen are, and women, your meteorologists on TV are your comfort. Like if, the whole news team, they would hang on. The sports and the weather guys and gals were the people they hung on to over the years because those were the comforting faces, especially the meteorologists. They wouldn't be get, around. The you old get days. clear, consistent information throughout the entire community. Yes. Yes. Did you have air sirens that would go off? Yes. I don't know. I've never, I've never lived in a. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But everybody, yeah. I mean, I can still hear when I was a kid. I can hear Jack Ogle going. There is a tornado warning in your area. And that back in the old days, they would talk about uh, open open some windows and doors and get away from the, you know, get to the center of the room. Find a bathtub or a closet if you can. I can hear. Now they say don't worry about opening windows because cause that was to equalize air pressure. And now they go, in the time you're trying to open windows, the thing could hit mm -hmm. and you'd have glass in your face. So forget right. opening a window. <laughs> but, that, but right. yeah, there used to be that clear. They would run the recording for people and, yeah. Yeah. And you have these drills throughout your life. And that's what I grew up with in California is we had earthquake drills mm -hmm. from from elementary school on. You know what to do. Um, now, unfortunately, in America, but that's the comfort of knowing. Yeah. And a lot of it's a, a lot yeah. of our, our tornado drills are, are thrown into chaos sometimes by things evolving. But yeah, you know, now now kids growing up in in the United States, they've gone yeah. through a whole generation of uh, shooter drills of what Active happens if there's drills. yeah yeah I was just, you know yeah. so yeah, what what we all need is clear information in a crisis and when it comes to psychological first aid, we didn't really have that here, Larry. We we need information about what to do because the in most of these crises, those early warning signs you can't see it. Most of us did not know anyone who had experienced coronavirus early on in this pandemic. So it was very hard to take seriously. The news might be telling you one thing. One leader might be telling you another thing. Another might tell you another. It, we need clear, consistent information. And outside of that, like what you're talking about with the tornado warnings, people are not going to take any action. People take no action. People mm -hmm. just continue with the status quo. And um, you know, even if we had, even if we had this perfect world where all of the leadership people were in, were in lockstep of what to do, because they're being, and they take 
the experts' advice on what to do, and then they all agree on it, and they portray that. The core thing here is this is a pandemic with a new virus, and even the sincere, like I said earlier, even the sincere governmental leaders and authorities are taking a cue from science, and we like to, even if you are a rational person, the fact is we don't know the ramifications. It's like when, it's like yeah. when Legionnaire's disease broke out, and it was just ba- it was an all-new thing, and it was baffling. And now, now it pops up on other occasions, and they know what to do. But 20 years ago, do you remember this, or do you you know what I'm talking about? There was a convention of American Legion guys who are all older people and their men and their wives, whatever. I want to say it was in Phil in Pennsylvania, but there was this convention. This weird new disease broke out. Didn't affect anybody who wasn't at this convention at this hotel. Yeah. And they had to quarantine, and they were baffled for, and they're running in with all the regular gear, and it, but nothing. It didn't, you know. It was a. It's like nothing we've ever seen before, Captain. And nobody fixed it in an hour. It went on and on for right. weeks, and, and it took weeks and months and years before they. And now they do, but science is not written by TV writers, and, no. and it's not solved in an hour. And all I'm saying is, we're still we're learning a lot. They're racing along with the vaccine. But the fact that we don't have, or we may even thought something early on that had to be reversed, and to people right. that don't know science and scientific theory, we don't. It's not a TV show. We don't know all the answers in an hour, and that even propagates a yeah a confusion factor, even when it's sincerely not trying to be confusing. Absolutely, you. We really need all the people we trust to be feeding us the same information, and that information needs to be very simple. And actionable, um, which would uh, minimize the eventual change if new. Inf- but when you start yes. off with that confusion factor, and now you're going to yes. put that into a feedback loop and propagate the, the you know the ripples on ripples or the confusion upon confusion, that's when we're really sad. It's bad enough just trying to deal with what's close at hand that's confusing. Right to, to right. multiply that is insane. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, Libby, Libby has shared that, um, I first heard about the coronavirus, um, when I was having shoulder issues and couldn't cover my head. Oh no, this is a different, different one. Sorry. This comment from Libby. Someone I know died of coronavirus just after Easter. So although I was already taking it seriously, it really drove things home for me. And Victoria said something similar. My uncle died early from it. So I, it was real for me as well. Um, a psychologist colleague of mine um, died of coronavirus very early in this pandemic, as did um, uh, an uncle to a close friend of mine. And um, it really made me realize how serious this, this is. But Larry, there's, there's such, this virus is so insidious where you can be infected and not have any symptoms. And you can be infected and not show symptoms till later. And it affected different parts of the country at different times, different parts of the world at different times. So getting that clear cut information about it when there's little information about it and when it's been politicized really has made it very difficult for all of us to navigate this. And, and that's, that's just step two of psych- psychological first aid. Step three, uh, is get connected to social support. So get connected to help in the way that you want to be connected, whether that's watching Star Trek with a friend or it's going on a socially distant walk with a friend, talking to someone, being with other people that you feel support you in the way that you want to be with them. That's that's step two of psychological first aid. Yeah. Step four is 
um, I mean, help the person to cope in whatever way they want, whether that's binge watching Star Trek, listening to the music, having some chocolate ice cream like Counselor Troy, uh, whatever, come whatever to helps for you. Live every week. <laughs> come to Live Support Live. And then step five is to uh, connect with help. So if someone is struggling um, for a long period of time, and these steps haven't helped them, get them connected to, to professional help. We used to think in the olden days, Larry, that uh, psychological first aid meant someone's gone through something very bad and then have them debrief and talk about it over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Most people recover from crises and, and traumas without any need to talk about it. But all of us can benefit from st- safety information, social mm-hmm. connection, co- coping, and, and professional support when needed. That's what psychological first aid is. I would think that, yeah, I, you're, you're right. The whole thing about talking, 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 the, the Mr. Carlins of the world, <laughs> if you go back to the Bob Newhart show. But um, I would think, though, it's like, you know, if I broke my leg and I couldn't get to a doctor, yeah. I might, I might kind of like ham-handedly do it at home. I might try to set it. I might, or uh, not even so much a leg, maybe like a finger or a toe, something really minor. I might could go and I could get the A1 x-rays and knowledgeable, you know, the top-notch care. But if I couldn't afford a doctor, if I was in the boonies and I didn't have one, or I didn't even know, sometimes you injure something you don't even know till later, uh, somebody goes, wow, you're, you've got a broken bone in your finger. Oh, really? Well, I knew I hurt it once, but I didn't know it was broken. But there's times when it's like we heal at home, and like you just said, but maybe just the more awareness, the more knowledge we have helps it because maybe we realize years later, you know what? You didn't even know you broke your finger, let's say. Right. And right. it, and it swell, it swelled up and you just thought it was a sprain and it did yeah. heal up, but it healed up a little, a little off. And it's not like it's right. impaired your life until maybe you're, you're, now you're in your 60s or 70s and you've got rheumatism around it or something. Or arthritis around it, I should have said. But um, but knowledge, what I'm trying to get to here is knowledge. So, yes, maybe you've had a trauma and you got through it okay and you were on your life. But maybe there's just a little tiny bit of a fracture there that's going to set a little crooked and maybe it doesn't impair your life. And maybe you don't spend five years with it. But if you had a best practice scenario out of it and you talked about it a little bit with the right person. or And sometimes maybe that's an somebody that's a loved one or somebody close who can just it's just being a second set of eyes and ears yeah yeah one thing i want but all i'm saying is yes we all are sometimes we go through all our things a lot but even if there's any one way to find out to share it with a, a friend much less a professional maybe you you take less chance of having the bone be reset you know Quickly. Yeah, yeah, and and let me expand on that because Linda Ocean. brings up yeah Linda brings up a comment. I disagree. People need to tell their story out loud to someone who listens at least once. So l- let me clarify here. What ha- used to happen, and, and sometimes unfortunately still does, is um, oh, I some tragic yeah, yeah some tragic event will will happen at a school or at a company, and then um, that company or organization will bring in some type of person that forces everyone to talk about it. And that large-scale debriefing is not good. The evidence doesn't support that. Industrial counseling. Yeah, some people's form of coping is to not talk about it and get some distance from it. Other people's form of coping is to talk about it. And you you can't force 
people to do to cope in one way. People need to cope in their own ways, in ways that work for them. Not and a so one size fits all. It's not a one size fits all. So if you force someone whose coping strategy is um, this is too overwhelming for me, I can't talk about it. If you force them to talk about it, they're actually going to do worse. So what what we need to do and why um, step four of psychological first aid is encouraging coping, not encouraging talking about it, is encourage the person to cope in the way that is healthy for them. And they might not know, and it might take a little bit of figuring out, but people do need to cope in different ways. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I say the best coping skill is to connect with other people and be with them in the state that you want to be. Maybe that state means... I want to talk about what's going on. Maybe that state means I want to do everything but talk about what's going on. Um, it's it's different. There's it's idic. Larry gets back to idic. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Um, and so it's it's uh, it's not a one one size fits all. Um, but the one thing we can we can all benefit from is getting trusted, credible, clear mm-hmm. information about what to do. And unfortunately. That has been very difficult to do in 2020. Yeah, but the the, the bottom line here is it should be something, and to be yeah. conscious of it. Hopefully, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just being so, conscious, um, of it and not being led by I don't want to say ignorance, but just being led by not being conscious of it. Again, yeah. if you say, you know what, I broke my finger, and it's not that painful now. It didn't swell up a lot. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make my own little wooden splint and tie my finger to that. And I'll just get by, and it's going to be okay. And yeah. you made the choice, and maybe you had enough factor to do that. Maybe somebody else would still argue with you and say, no, you need to go see a doctor. But, yes, b- being aware and then making a choice is always better than making a choice in ignorance or without a lack of, you know, in staying in a confused, disoriented state, only maybe just less so. So, I, yeah. yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um with that, speaking of information, absolutely there, Heidi. Yes. I would like to jump into the uh, K3 factor. This is the ah. part of the show where do we do a deep dive into some aspect of the canon, and the <laughs> K3 refers to the only reference to mental we? health. Uh, well, I usually Larry this is presents, my and, and then <laughs> I go, "Oh my gosh, Larry! I had no idea." The real, the real doctor has to take the burden here. As, as okay, so we've had two episodes where I was absent for most of the show, and Ali was absent for most of the show. The show where I was absent for most of the show, you kind of carried on. The show where you were absent, uh, I did about twenty minutes, and I said I am not going to pretend to tell you a counselor's log and an away mission, guys. So this is my way. This is my time with the show to maybe yes, throw something out that will not daze and confuse you. So I'm, you know, it's interesting is we're going to die. If we're going to go backstage for a typical Trekland kind of thing that everybody in Trekland is, is used to a real life confusion factor around Star Trek. I mean, there are some, but I thought for us today, I would go back to a two level one where the person involved was disoriented and confused quite rightly. And then where that also the meta of it was that it was fandom. If you want to, so if you want to huh. show us our first slide, Harley. Yeah. Uh, so maybe let's some of make you know sh- this guy, the wheelchair, the smiling uh, yes. wheelchair. Yes. Maybe some of you know this guy. This is this is Eugene Wesley Roddenberry. Um, he's the guy that created this show we're talking about, and all of its spinoffs eventually. 
Um, this is Gene in December 1990. Now, he died in October 1991. Uh, as happens with celebrities, as happens with important people, as we just saw happen with the president, sometimes people in power or with a big following, if something is happening with their health in a very severe, possibly even fatal, or a, or a uh, what's the word for fatal? Um, uh, what's the combining Latin word for – anyway. When people are potentially in a death situation or their health is declining rapidly, people like to buffer the outside world from that information, right? And right. so as Gene right. – basically, it sneaked up. Even the people around him. Next Generation got started. He was very much there. We have the paper trail on the Trek files. We talk about this all the time. The second season – was very chaotic. Gene's a personal attorney was running around. We love to say the Chaos on the Bridge documentary with Leonard Majlish interfering with writers, causing all kinds of confusion. The quality of the show the first couple of years was hurt, and people, it was a revolving door of people because of this chaos that his attorney was pulling way beyond the bounds of what an attorney should do for his client. But he but was enough about Star Trek Discovery. Let's talk about the first <laughs> few seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> yes, by the way, we're talking about 87, not 2017. <laughs> um, yeah. But the bottom line here was Leonard Majors was protecting his client partly because Gene's age and his health was starting to really decline here big time. And partly because of things that had happened in the past, and partly out of a paranoia that Gene had lost control of the movies, and that paranoia was he wasn't going to lose control of this second chance at, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to. So some of we talk about, oh, the gurufication of Gene and all that. A lot of it was trying to pay his bills, but not everybody invents something like Star Trek that's affected the world the way it has. So you, yeah. can, you can't blame him for doing that. But fast forward to 1987, 1988, the first season, the second season. As fans, we're just consuming the show. It seems like it's getting better. We all know, you know, oh, don't start. Here's a, here's a shocker for you, Ali. In 1988, we all didn't have the meme of every Star Trek gets better in its third year. Or no, takes, we, no, right, right, no, right, right, right. In this fact, was, TNG was following the opposite path of TOS. Exactly. Yes. TOS had a near-perfect season one and two, yes. yes. Yeah, matured and then lost out on season three. So, yeah, if you matured mentioned... Matured and then the dilithium crystals just blew meant up. something totally different yeah. before, say, 1995. Right. right. Anyway, Gene's health is going down here. Now, there's yeah. a that photo we had. He was at a... I was looking. He was at a um, a movie premiere, not a Star Trek premiere, but he was, he was here in Hollywood. Uh, I wrote the name down, but anyway. Um, uh, that was December 1990. He was in a wheelchair. He had a cane there with him. What it basically was happening was he was starting to have – now we know. He was having a series of mini strokes. Mm. Well, what's the what's one of the most organic ways of suddenly yeah. being confused? It's when you're, when you're losing yeah. oxygen to the brain or blood flow, yeah. and the stroke is like usually a late-in-life event, right? De <sighs> yeah. Degenerative. Okay. But that was December 1990. They took him out in public in a wheelchair, and that was kind of a shocking thing. But it was a it was a movie premiere. I was trying to see here. Um, uh, 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 it, I gave you such a damn long um, movie well, time. Uh, while well, you're looking that up, come see the paradox, yeah. which has nothing to do with Star Trek. So it didn't get a lot of attention. Plus, this is pre-social media. Who the hell knew what was happening every night? There's a movie premiere in Hollywood. My point here is that by April, they dedicated. Um, 
they did oh no April they had the hundredth the hundredth episode of Star Trek which again Entertainment Tonight might have done a two minute story about it we didn't have yeah da 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 now here's here's a, what's her name not Dixie Watley the other one that was there forever um there's a we have an image of that so they're celebrating yes. the hundredth anniversary the hundredth episode of Star Trek they're they're uh, no not that one the other one whoa 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 whoa, whoa. oh yes this one. Yeah, yeah. So here we are. They're cutting the cake. But look, this this photo went out a lot to a lot of places. I don't know that everybody noticed that Gene is – you can kind of see the wheelchairs back here, the wheels. But this was April. Uh, yeah. I want to make sure I'm telling you guys right. Uh, yes, this is April 11th. This is the 100th episode, the conclusion of Redemption Part 1. It just happened to be the la the finale, so they're celebrating the finale and all. They took some – other shots of Gene on the in the in the uh, engine core. So yeah, here's Mike Pillar. Here's Rick. Here's the cast. Yada yada. Some of them are shooting. Obviously, some of them aren't. They're in their civvies. They have a cake. Yay! It's the hundredth episode. That's April. Right. He's right. in the chair. Has the cane. That other one you just showed two months later. Uh, yes. Kind of get the feeling here. They named the building a new, a brand new building at the Paramount lot for the Gene Roddenberry as the Gene Roddenberry building. It was a big thing. They had the original series cast. They had the Next Generation cast. Um, everybody's there. It was a big hoopty. That was in June of 1991, during the summer of the hiatus. But and a lot, a lot of people didn't realize. This. See here, right here. Here's a here's his cane here, right now. He's in a director's chair. He stood some, but his health is going. See, not quite a little. I mean, they're out standing in the sun, but he's got a little, you know, days confused look. My point here is that. His health was going down. It wasn't ballyhooed. It was hidden a little bit. Like, oh my God, FDR, they never showed him getting out of his metal braces, right, in the day. And then by the time of, he, he died in October. They had, they, two days before he died, I was watching this. So, uh, um, they showed him a print of Star Trek VI. He always had things to say about the movie because he wasn't in control of them. They showed him a print. He said, that's great. And they were all like, okay. And then <laughs> a day later, uh, Majors came out and said, no, Gene has these, this list of cuts he once made in the movie. But, you know, because he had to, because he had to, he had to pee on the corner somewhere because it was his. So he was still had an input, right? But the point here is that Gene was becoming increasingly disoriented and confused to the inner circle because since second season, different writers would talk about Gene. Not wanting to do a story. We can read now about the evolutions of Captain's Holiday. Picard is too perfect. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, uh, have sex on a mission. You know, um, he wouldn't do the thing with Sarek. He wouldn't have a, there are a lot of stories and young and baby Ron Moore and even Michael Pillar, his first year coming in to save the series, they would get in a huge knockdown. We can't mention Spock and having a wedding. You can't say Spock. You have to say, so they say Sarek's son instead of Spock. There's all kinds of things that Gene was demanding and he was increasingly becoming not coherent with himself. He'd say, you can't do that. And then three episodes later, he would let a writer do that. He was becoming more confused and disoriented and people at first didn't get it. And then there were times, now it's come out, where they'd be in a meeting and he would just go aphasic or he would mm -hmm. just zone out for a few minutes. So, that was increasingly happening. He was increasingly in frailer and frailer and frailer shape. They were, you know, Rick was really doing the day to day. He was kind of ceremonially there. Richard Arnold and Susan Sackett were both there with him. 
And then we get to the point where he's, he's having many strokes and increasingly coming shut down and wheelchair and only coming in, you know, for special events and things. And then October comes along. He took some kind of a family reunion trip back east and really had a, they realized later that he had a mini heart attack, mm. a stroke, a stroke, I should say, over that trip. So his health is going way down. So yes, he finally dies near the, a week before Halloween in October 1991. It shocks the world. It shocks the Star Trek world because a lot of people, mm. Did not know that, you know, that this was happy and people didn't know. And it was still a shock to people that worked because he wasn't coming in to work every day. Right. So the, the, you know, the, the crew, the work community is confused and disoriented, but it's like Gene's slow descent there and disoriented to his workmates. Why is Gene throwing a fit about this when we, you know, why is he doing this when this? He did that later. Well, then he dies, he passes, and now suddenly it's fandom that is confused and disoriented. And the apex of this, really, I think the last time he was in public, aside from that like small event, the 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 um, the open the rededication, the dedication in his honor of the building. That last time he was at a convention was in June, also at the Creation Con here in L.A. Uh, it was a 25th anniversary event for Next Generation. And he came out on stage in his wheelchair. It was the first time Rod, his son, got involved with the family business, mm-hmm. and he was still long-haired, radical teenage Rod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he rolls his dad out in the wheel. In fact, that first picture I thought was from this. I'm trying to find the clippings because at the time it made headlines because he comes out, he's in a wheelchair, and the audience kind of gasped. It was like you know about two thousand people at the shrine here. I wasn't here then, but. I read about it. Even that got to us in Oklahoma. Uh, not the not the Gene Roddenberry Shrine, but the Shrine Auditorium. The auditorium, yeah. Yes. <laughs> A little distinction. Yeah, yeah. Thank case. you, thank you. But the point here is, in the middle, I gave you the big picture there, the decline, and yeah. But the shocker moment to me was when sitting in Oklahoma, even and reading, you know, reports later. Um, he came out on stage, standing ovation. People are a little verklempt. Oh, my God, Gene's in a wheelchair. Oh, my God, oh, my God. But he was talking, and they got over it, and he answered questions, and he talks. And he was a little slow on his words a little bit. Well, someone somewhere along the – so people were, like, applauding and, t- you know, all that. It wasn't a near-death experience, but people could tell that this had been a step down. But in the Q&A – Someone said something or they actually wanted to ask a normal question and maybe even critique a point. I don't know what the point was. That but, sounds like a typical convention question, yeah. I have a question, but first I'm going to go on a rant. What was my question? I'm not sure. Please I'm not answer. Sure. They did. But the point, <laughs> the point is Gene was still answering questions. It was his Q&A time. And the person made a comment, which basically pissed Gene off. Now, as we've seen, sure. he's, yeah. things are pissing him off. And he went on a rant in front of 2,000 people basically saying, I don't care what you – I think the quote of the night was, I don't care what you say. I'm Star Trek. What I say is what Star Trek is. You don't know shit. And that's kind of like a quoted line that came out, and it shocked people. Mm. And some of our some of our room here may – I was going to try to dig it out, and I didn't have (laughs) time in the last couple of days. But my point here is – that was a confusing, disorienting moment because yeah. Yeah. he was using harsh language, critiquing a fan, acting all like his whole political facade. His just his day-to-day tact and diplomatic that we all carry with us was gone, 
and it made headlines because it was shocking, you know, and what, you know, like, oh, he doesn't know he's drunk, or, you know, it's the, it's the liquor talking, or it's the, he's on drugs, or, or he's in the hospital and he's still coming down from his whatever, his Vicodin. And we, we all have ways we, for good or bad, explain those kinds of things away, but that was a shocking moment that was very confusing and disorienting to the fan base. And everything kind of laid low, and you know, it was in the middle of a summer where they were dedicating the building and all that. So anyway, I, my point here is that Gene himself was obviously, as a person having that health, those health difficulties, was a person who was increasingly confused and disoriented in his world. It was disorienting for the people around him who didn't always know the latest or the most up-to-date or the detail, or even as they found out later. And people were like going back in time and going, Oh, two years ago, I bet that was what was going on. And oh, when he said that to me in 1989, I bet that was what was going on in 1990. And then most of all, for the greater world at large, the fan base and then the world at large, we didn't know any of this was going on until something like that that quote on stage in front of thousands of people hits the news. And we're like, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? So. Anyway, that's, uh, that's, there's, um, that's sometimes it's it's a slow motion event, and sometimes it's more than one person. But anyway, when we this was our theme today, and I thought that's just where my mind went for the K three today. So I don't know if I was a shock or a surprise or what for you, but there you go, guys. Well, it's a lot. It, it's I, I got a few thoughts. Um, first, I wanted to share Libby's comment here. I think too many people forget that creators and actors are first and foremost people. Fans should treat them as people with all the good and baggage that comes along with being a real person. And I, I think that's a, that's really well said, Libby. Um, you know, uh, Larry, I became um, a fan of Star Trek because of Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And so mm -hmm. for me, my journey to Star Trek began with a film that's dedicated to the memory of Gene Roddenberry. So right. for me, he was always a past figure and not a... Um, a, a living person. Um, so and, you I, are, and you are way more, we've long since passed the point where you are in the majority of fans. Right, right, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah so I think a lot of people, um, <clears throat> Gene Roddenberry's a historical figure. He doesn't, he doesn't live on in the way George Lucas does with Star Trek. I'm sorry, Star Wars. Oh. Uh, and, and, and the complicated connections <laughs> that, you know, George Lucas has had a complicated relationship with, with later Star Wars as well. Um, you can see a lot of interviews with him about that. Um, Even the people. As, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And the, the people, people have had a complicated relationship George with George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what, what, what does <laughs> stick out to me here is um, the description you're having very much parallels the experience I had um, with the passing of Leonard Nimoy. And with the the paparazzi picture, you posted the picture of Gene Roddenberry in the wheelchair. It reminded me of the paparazzi photo of right. Leonard Nimoy in a wheelchair, and how, and the, yeah, and that that played out very differently. It spread all over social media, and a lot of um, a lot of folks in in pop, a lot of folks in the public, but then also in the fandom, were confused and disoriented and concerned. Um, well, that's a, I was going to say real quick. That's a difference in 1991 versus yes. now, right? Yes, yes. Where we have cameras everywhere and 24/7 social and everything. Yeah, 
And, you know, I think this is, this is a complicated issue. Libby says it well about we need to remember that these folks who have helped create this thing that we love, they are people and they deserve their own privacy and they deserve um, the support of their family. Um, we have these things called parasocial relationships where we form real relationships with the actors and the characters because we see them every day. Or distance, yeah. Our, yeah, our, our brain thinks that these are f- familiar people in our lives because we see them all the time. These are real relationships, even though we've never met the person, even though they might not exist. Um, seeing, seeing, um, I, I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about it, when, but when Data dies in Star Trek Nemesis, kind of dies, now we know with Star Trek Picard, it's complicated, but when we lost Data, it had a huge emotional impact on me even though Data's not a real person. So we feel these real connections to people we haven't met in reality. And at the same time, this uh, this type of confusion and decline is a part of the human experience. And we need to respect that, honor that. And it reminded me a lot of uh, what you're talking about with, with Gene's decline was reminding me a lot of uh, Ronald Reagan. And he... He, uh, we found out later, had dementia and mm-hmm. likely was experiencing some symptoms of this in his, uh, in some of the years as, as president. And he was really sheltered from public, uh, public life after he left office, probably for this reason. And, you know, well, we they need were, to. They were doing yeah. parodies on Saturday Night Live of him playing with his action figures. Remember that? They'd come in and yeah. they'd put him away and make it, yeah. The yeah, last couple. We have years. to, um, you know, we have to, we have to honor this experience and, um, and help people in the best way we can with, with compassion. Um, cause this is, this is a part of the human experience. Um, speaking can of that. I, one more point here. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from the disorienting confusion, that whole thing about sheltering celebrities and po- political leaders and whatever, sheltering their decline or health scares from the public at large to avoid a panic or whatever, whatever you want to say. Um, contrast that with to one thing, maybe social media, Instagram, everything has done. Contrast that with Ken, Kenneth Mitchell's announcement to the world of his ALS. Mm. Right? They, they, yeah. there was no hiding it. There was no shame. If whether it's a shame factor or it's oh my god, I won't be able to work now because I'm people. No, I won't get hired. I won't get cast. Anybody that's doing with their politicians, actors, whatever. He comes out and says, well, here I am. And other celebrities, it's become a trend now. The the honesty thing, some people say there's a little too much honesty, but I'm just thinking of, as we were talking there, I hadn't thought about it. But as I was saying it, I thought, contrast that with Kenneth Mitchell, who went on the cruise in his wheelchair and said, hey, guys, here I am. And now they've they've actually got him involved with some current treks doing what he could, you know, whether it's voicing or he did voices on Lower Decks. And they're talking about having him be a human on um, – on discovery, I think, or something that he's going to be in human form. Maybe he'll be in a chair, maybe not. But it's like it's okay. And he was in a family, yes, that's going to keep him employed a little bit. But the world knows, the world at large, it's fine. And we celebrate, we celebrate the awareness. A lot of people come out with whatever it is that's their issue as a way to further the fact that we should talk about that issue more, right? Yes. yes. So yes. anyway, so I, that's another contrast between the here and then that I just. It, struck me that you wouldn't even get into some of these issues if it was out there and maybe people would get more i don't think gene was lacking for medical care if he wanted it 
But even our awareness and the needs that we perceive needs, like, you know, don't let this out if that's if that's not an issue. Or people, ch- you know, hey, we'll whatever. If there's any issues involved with it being more open sometimes now tends to be better outcomes than failing. You yeah, um, you know, there's there's that uh, story about people before Next Generation premiered saying, um, how can there be a bald man in the 24th century? And Gene saying in the 24th century, it won't matter um, if you're bald or not. No one will care. Yes. No one yeah. will care. And um, I don't think it's, you know, uh, Star Trek Discovery has really shown us a lot more diversity in terms of the types of people who are serving on the starship. The oh, different, uh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Discovery's done a nice job of, of showing that. And, you know, we have we have Geordi LaForge who was the first character to really have a, um, to be blind and, and to be piloting the ship. You know, that's such a beautiful, uh, beautiful image right there. Um, Star Trek has uh, really highlighted that um, no matter where you're coming from, you have worth and you can make a difference and you can contribute to society. And uh, I, th- I think we're, Continue, we're, we're seeing that really play out now in terms of actors with different abilities being featured on Star Trek. And then also, um, the honor and compassion to which we're also bringing people behind the scenes who might be uh, struggling with these things themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do a quick away mission. Um, and then oh we're going to jump into the, the away chat. Mission, yeah. Yes. Um, I have a very quick one. Um, this one is targeting that uh, the psychological first aid got a little bit more of the confusion. I want to tackle the disorientation a little bit. I want to give everyone a quick skill that you can use when you're feeling disoriented. Um, Larry, don't get too disoriented there. Let me let me bump your head. Get back in oh, back into the frame. Don't get too disoriented. There oh, sorry. you go. I'm uh, disoriented being on, <laughs> on our virtual camera. Yeah. Um, the the skill I want to talk about is grounding. When you might feel disoriented, when you might feel like you're getting out of your body a little bit and you're going on autopilot, when you might feel overwhelmed, um, sometimes we call this depersonalization. You feel yourself as less of a real person or um, uh, do you depersonalization? I'm, I'm blanking on the other word. There's another word, too. Um, when you I'm not might be feeling, you, I'm catching up in the chat, so I'm sorry. Yeah, Here's... yeah, yeah. No, go, please go for it. When you're feeling less plugged in with yourself and less oriented to what's happening around you, you can always use a grounding skill. Grounding skills help you to feel um, firmly planted in the current environment, or firmly planted in um, some type of sensation, or firmly planted in an idea or a concept. So whenever you might struggle with these kind of things, use a grounding skill. What are the grounding skills? I'm going to list out a few of them. And then um, if anyone wants to learn more, I have a video called um, How to Stop Having Panic Attacks Now, Exposure, Coping, and Grounding. That goes through these skills in detail. So if anyone wants to look up that video, Stop Having Panic Attacks Now, that that will uh, guide you through all of this. The first skill is 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. I might have mentioned this before on the show, but um, focus on five things you can see around you right now. So the visuals. Um, listen to or touch 
four different textures. So maybe your shirt, maybe your pants, maybe the desk in front of you. Um, touch four different things. Listen to three. Yes, your skin can be can be very grounding. Just feeling the sensations on your skin. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen to three different sounds in the environment. Um, pick up on two different smells in the environment. Um, and one, notice the the taste that's in your mouth right now. For most people, what you might find is one of these works better for you, or a couple of these work better for you. And if so, if you're if the visual really helps, or if the sound really helps, just focus in on that. So sometimes if someone is having a, 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 a very disoriented state, we might get them to fo- listen to my voice, listen to the sound of my voice, just concentrate on my voice. Or I want you to, to feel the sensation of the ground below you or just um, focus here on on uh, the smell of this. Uh, you take a peppermint candy out, just notice the pepper, the, the taste of the peppermint candy. Any of these kind of sensory things can be very grounding and can get you plugged back into the moment. So you always have the skill. Sometimes I work with people who um, have a lot of anxiety with public speaking and public uh, presentations. And I'll talk about, you know, get grounded in in the, the clothes you're wearing or the feeling of the microphone or in just one person in the audience. There's a lot of ways that you can get pulled back into the moment. That's five, four, three, two, one. Another thing that you can do that might help is focus on a mental map. So think of yourself walking through a place that you know very well. This could be your home. This could be your local community. This could be a fictional place. This could be the bridge of the Enterprise uh, D. Um, whatever it is, imagine yourself going through this room. If you're feeling very overwhelmed and you feel yourself getting drawn into a traumatic memory, if you feel yourself getting overwhelmed by the news, you can always go to this mental place and find yourself walking through it. Maybe, Larry, you can find yourself walking through the San Diego Convention Center uh, since We've been there many times for Comic-Con <laughs> together. You can imagine yourself kind of running to Hall H. Um, whatever it might be, um, imagine yourself going through this place that you know well. Um, another one that is very helpful is make a list in your head. Best if it's a list that's hard to complete. So this is one I, I've done myself. Is um, I've done five for three to one. Um, and the other one I do a lot is make a list. So make uh, make a list of things that you know well and just go through it so you can get grounded in that concept. What I like to do is starships. <laughs> I like to go through my favorite starships and kind of rank them in my head, the different class of starships. You know, um, Constitution class, Constellation class, Excelsior class, Galaxy class, Nebula class. You know, uh, going through and, and kind of ranking what are my favorite ones. And then if I run out of Federation starships, I can really challenge myself and go into Klingon and Romulan and like all these other other classes. If I get to Kazon, I'm really in a tough place. <laughs> if I've still been <laughs> if I've been going that long, someone come help me. But um or you can make a list of your favorite episodes. You can make a list of your favorite characters, your favorite aliens. Um, you can always have this as a go-to strategy when you need to get grounded. So those are my skills. Five, four, three, two, one. Make a mental map. Make a list. These things can really help you when when you need it. Um, 
Larry, let's open up this whole hailing frequencies. You've been going through the comments. I've been going through the I, comments. So let's highlight some of our favorites here. I uh, well, you've got your finger on the button there. I don't, but I yeah. There's so I'm guys. Everybody's been. I think this is really. I don't know what it's been. Uh, I think our, we've had more people visiting today. I think people telling stories. People are throwing out our episodes. Was our original um, thing. A lot of people have had episodes that was on my list that we didn't pull images from. We can't do that, but. Um, uh yeah um uh well, go, well you're, you go with something yeah i just want to highlight uh zahir's as a person with a disability one of my favorite highlights was meeting lavar burton whoops wrong one i oh i highlighted the wrong one uh so here let me bring you back here um was meeting lavar and sharing that jordy showed me anything is possible in addition to reading rainbow of course um <laughs> I just want to say, Zahir, one of the one of my favorite things is being able to express gratitude to someone who helped create something that really helped me. And gratitude is the super emotion that not only helps you to feel better, it also helps the person receiving it, receiving that that grateful comment, and it helps everyone else there who's able to witness it, as we just were now with you sharing this comment. So thank you for sharing that comment. We've had, wow, we've just had, I, I, maybe it's my imagination. Maybe people are feeling a little more liberated. I don't know. But um, sometimes when you lay down the rules, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of clarifying for everybody. Well, but, let me ask. Uh, um, a, lot of, a lot of con memories from people here talking. Uh, yeah, maybe, a, yeah. A, a yeah. lot of con memories. Um, Scott is mentioning uh, when I was growing up, all the big ones were in the Bay Area. I don't even think the big Anaheim ones started yet. Scott, did you go to... <laughs> The Star Trek convention in the San Jose Convention Center before um, Star Trek Generations came out, where the headliners, I think, were William Shatner one day, and then Leonard Nimoy the second day. Leonard Nimoy was on Sunday. I was at that convention. It was my very first convention. Were you there at the San Jose Convention Center Star Trek convention with Leonard Nimoy? Let me know. Um, where he was talking about Generations and why he didn't get involved in Generations. Um, let me know, because if you were there... I was there, so we we actually previously met in a very different era of the timeline. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, it's really wild how we have these circles back. But I really uh, thanks everybody for sharing your con stories. I think Libby shared one talking talking about meeting uh, Major right about the time when Gene's health was going down. Um. Uh. Yeah. The um. The nerd. <laughs> Wow, ship class. See, sometimes I'm not, when I'm in those things, I'll sit here and try to think about states or I'll think, I'll try to do the presidents in order or some other, some, I'll go to my history nerds sometimes before I go to, before I go to my Trek nerd side, which is sad. I'm not trying to, to betray anybody. Please don't think I'm trying to betray <laughs> you can, you can be nerdy about multiple things. Can I? Can I, yes. Can I yes. be more? Okay. I give you, I, I'll, I give you full permission. Does your freak flag come in more than one color? Okay. <laughs> uh, Looks like Scott was not at that convention. Ah, uh, Scott, we missed each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Heidi, hey. so, Heidi oh, says that she was having um, difficulty sleeping the other night and had tried making a top three character for each Star Trek show, and that was hard. So, um, Heidi, that's... That is a great example of grounding. Um, my suggestion for the sleep is um, if you if you want to make a list thing in your sleep, make it something that might bore you or might relax you. Um, try not to make a list of something that might really activate you and agitate, in, um, agitate you, um, or or just like wake you up. Um, and it's it's a 
it's a fine line there. Um, something that that helps me when I'm trying to fall asleep is I listen to the white noise of the Enterprise D warp core. There's a great 12 hour long YouTube video that is just playing the warp core sound for 12 hours, and it it's mm-hmm. it soothes me to bed. Um, always helps me. Um, um, um. Yeah. And they, they have one now, for Voyager, and they have one for the... Own, now we've become our own Lower Deck scene, where we're all competing <laughs> to do the sound. Welcome to Larry and Ali's Star Trek ASMR videos. Uh- <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Ali Matu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nemechek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the psych show. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nemechek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time... Live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone.